Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. I love worshipping with everyone in the house here, and I, I can honestly say I don't know why every single one of you sing. I'm not sure of your reasons for that, but I can make a fair assumption for most people in the room, it would be this. Psalm 13:6 says, I will sing the Lord's praise for He has been good to me. Isn't that amazing? Even we don't plan this stuff, but even the team just sharing, it's, it's His goodness that comes running after us. So we sing and declare the goodness of God this morning. And I'm grateful for that. Fun fact about me, if you didn't know, um, bit of an artist. I've always been an artist. I love to, to draw. In fact, on the screen, there may be some slightly embarrassing, but pictures of me. That's me with the budgie on my head. If you want a tip for good artwork, it's just about being stable, get the budgie. Um, and uh, that's me when I'm younger, painting something. And there's me when I'm a couple years older. I'm on the left side, by the way, if you weren't sure. And um, something I'd put together in a kid's book that was illustrated. So I've always loved to, to draw and to illustrate. Um, and here's the, the thing, the common challenge for me to this very day with, with illustrating is I'll start with a concept or an idea and I'll, I'll draw it and I'm happy with it. It's finished. It might be simple overall in concept, but it's finished, it's done. And I walk away and I think, well, that's great. And I think, oh, just, just a little, there's a little bit there. I might just, okay, just give me a sec. Well, time is that's okay. I can fix that before bed. And I'll just chip away and I'll just add a little something and, and I build on something else. And, you know, um, before you know it, I've wrecked the whole thing. And I go, why didn't I just stop when it was finished? I remember specifically in, in uh, high school, we had a theme which was metamorphosis, do whatever you want, where something will change from one thing into another. And, uh, and I went with this packet of barbecue shapes being tipped out and the shape of these shapes coming out was going to turn into a, a Star Wars TIE fighter spaceship. And it kind of went through and it was cool because it just happens to be the same for the Star Wars geeks. It's the same shape as the, as the wings on these things. So, you know, I'd done this thing. It was finished. It was great. Do you think I could stop when it was finished, guys? Do you think I knew when to stop? Of course not. I keep adding stars. I'm like, these stars are really good. I'm putting stars in and making space until there's so many stars, you can hardly see what's going on, ruin the picture. I don't know when to stop with it. So, you know, you've got to help me with that. And it was finished. It was a bit simpler, but it was good. And how many of you know, our lives could probably be a little bit simpler. Can anyone relate to that, going, I wish things were a little bit simpler? Um, you know, we, we live in a, a busy world. Um, I'm part of that same busy world as, as all of us here. You know, I'm a, a husband to one wife. That's the appropriate number of wives. And uh, everyone's like, well, oh, that's good. That's fine. That's really good. Um, three kids, um, six, eight, and 10. If you haven't met them, they're just the best. Um, and... You know, everyone's got things going on. The kids have got things. It's, it's swimming and, and basketball and every single thing they can sign up for at school that we just go, okay, you're doing that now. That's great. And we're running around. You know, I work full time in real estate. My phone's always ringing. Emails never stop. Um, in fact, I was sharing a message a couple of weeks ago and I didn't put it onto like certain mode and all these things are coming up. I'm like, get rid of it. You didn't know about that, but now you do. Why did I tell you that? Um, 
And as a church family, we love to serve our, our church family, we're part of a G3 circle and, and the people that are part of that. And they can all be great things, um, but we tend to lead complicated lives. Then we get seasonal busyness where it's Christmas. Now we're hosting people, we're planning things. Maybe you're travelling, maybe you're already, you know, basting some sort of meal, you know, 25 days out, slowly cooking over it a month. I don't know. But we get busy and complicated doing things. All the chefs are going, that's way too long. That's inaccurate. I know, it was a joke. It's okay. Um, we seem to automatically complicate things each day. And I wonder if, the complication and the adding and the extra busyness, I feel that can often flow into our faith in Christ. So in the Word of the Lord, I believe over our house today is that we are gonna rest in His finished work. Um, if, you're, if you're hoping for some really fast message today with 17 points and 19 sub points, we're not getting that. We're just gonna be a nice slow and steady wins the race kind of message. So I hope you're, uh, you're all good for that. Um, the gospel is good news. It's something we receive by simple faith. So if Jesus says it's finished work, I'm not gonna try and add to it. If it's finished, I'll trust Him on His Word that it's finished. So if you could recline today and pull back the little side lever on, on your chair and just relax a little bit. Now, Melbourne, it's all good. We don't actually have any of those here. If you're like, where's my side lever? I don't have a little recliner. You know, when I'm bringing out the popcorn and it's not an event cinema all of a sudden just to chill. But what I'm getting at is um, I want everyone just to stop, take a breath and relax and rest in the finished work of Jesus this morning. Is that all right? Awesome. Um, so today I wanna talk to us about faith in the finisher. Faith in the finisher. Well, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank You for the cross. We thank You for Your finished work. We thank You, God, that we don't come here to add anything to Your finished work. We don't uh, come here to try and make ourselves any better or more presentable to You. We just come under Your submission today. We come under submission to Your Word. We thank You for Your Word. We pray that Your Word will go out. It won't return void. It's gonna set out what you want it to do today and it will change hearts. That's what you do. So Jesus, we rest in you and we posture ourselves in a way that we just say we're ready to receive from Jesus. In your mighty name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're all done. That was it. No, no. Awesome, God. Um, so we're gonna focus on two outcomes that follow when we have simple faith in the finisher. And firstly is that He saves. That's his, that's his job, that's what he does. He saves and we rest. That's it. So firstly, he saves. Um, I'm gonna read scripture from Ephesians 2, verses eight to nine. If you don't have a, a Bible today, it would be our privilege to give you one. The team will have one ready for you at either side of the auditorium, anyone at a team lanyard, or just you know, take one from the seat in front of you. If you like it, just grab it. You know, I don't have a Bible. The Lord said, give it to me. So he took the Bible. Now don't do that last part in case it's someone's special one, but we've got one ready for you. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, and it reads this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Wow. Not by works so that no one can boast. What an incredible Scripture. What an incredible Scripture. So what is that amazing 
Scripture actually mean? What are we getting at? Some unpacking of the word. Well, Paul, who had done a lot of, you know, good religious works and some not so good religious works that were bad religious works, trying to be good or thinking that they were, had, uh, had been pretty busy with human efforts. And he's explaining that our human efforts are never going to make us right with God. They're never going to solve the problem of sin. They're never going to bridge that gap. So really, the scripture means, thank God. It means, thank God that it's all Him. I can't and I don't need to try and work for my salvation. Is that a load off this morning? A load that somehow we like forget on a daily basis with our spiritual amnesia? And so the reminder from the Lord this morning is that, hey, I've already finished everything. Don't even try and muck around with my finished work. It's done. Um, If I simply receive this free gift by simple faith, not by anything I've done. But what are we saved from? What is the actual problem? You know, not everyone in the room of this size would be aware of that. You know, it's great. We're saved. Jesus saved you. What does that even mean? Um, Well, let's have a little look and let Scripture interpret Scripture. And I'll just chat us through Luke 23 rather than reading through all the passages of it. But it shows a man's soul being saved. Um, Many of you would know this story, but it's, uh, it's the thief on the cross. But what I love about this story, despite all the graphic nature of what's going on, is it's so blunt and obvious and there is no ambiguity about whether it's Jesus who saves. Um, It's pretty straightforward. And it's like right at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, before the exclamation mark of his resurrection, he's saying, look, one last sermon. I'm going to make this real plain and simple. Um, All my work and none of yours equals you saved. And you better believe it. And that's his his punchline there. The thief is, he's away from God, but his soul shifts in a moment. Can I encourage us today that for every single person that has ever had their soul shift towards the goodness of God, it's happened in a moment. No one's saved until they are. So if we're ever thinking, oh man, they're miles off, well, everyone is just a moment away, a moment. No one had this over 12 years I was saved. There might've been some things that were leading up to it, but we are, you can't be half pregnant. You either are or you aren't, right? So we're either saved or we're not. And in, in Jesus' goodness, we see that that happens. Um, so the thief's away from God. He's saved. He goes from death to life in a moment. And just a, a few quick outtakes of that. Firstly, he begins to fear God, not just dying. These are just some things that we'd observe. Um, he says, don't you fear God? So he's nailed to a cross. He knows he's dying. He knows, he's not talking about the fear of death. He's like, don't you fear God? Um, Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is what we're saved from. This is the goodness of God, is that all of our works and all of our efforts, even our self-righteousness, it's just debt of sin. And yet Jesus says, no, no, I've paid that price for you and giving you a free gift. Just receive the free gift from me. This is what we're saved from. Secondly, he knows he's a sinner. He says, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man's done nothing wrong. Thirdly, he believes in Jesus and his authority as king to save beyond death. Because he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He is saved that second. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
So he starts as a criminal worthy of death on a cross. And in a few moments, he ended as a criminal worthy of death on a cross. He's, it didn't change in that sense. It's not like he, he didn't hop down and do a thing. He didn't go and apologise to anyone. He didn't go and right any wrongs. He didn't pay any fines. He didn't unsteal anything. He didn't possibly unmurder someone. I don't know what he'd done. Um, but he didn't change any of those things. But he had simple faith in the king that would still be king after death. And lastly, as we slowly unpack this scripture, just before we say, I think, well, I get your point, um, but it wasn't really all Jesus, was it? I mean, he brought his faith, you know, he was on the cross and he brought his belief and his faith, right? Right? Crickets, everyone's like, I think so. I don't know, lock in the answer. Um, well, Hebrews 12, 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sat down because the work's finished. So it's our faith we bring, but he starts it and he finishes it. So wasn't this the only element left that we had some sort of part in? And yet he's going, no, no, I'm the author and finisher of your faith. Oh man, so this is why I will sing the Lord's praise for He has been good to me. It is Jesus, come on, give Him a shout of praise. It's Jesus, 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 the whole way through. So none of us boast. So that means in our own testimony, we don't go, well, I found Christ, I gave Him my life, I did, you know, I decided to follow Jesus. No, 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 no. It's Jesus, Jesus, He found me, He pursued me, He turned my heart. It's a miracle that we can even speak His name and say that He's a Saviour. What am I doing up here? It's like a giant joke, isn't it? Like I'm, I'm standing up here talking about the goodness and faithfulness of not me, of Him. All we're doing is pointing to the One who's done everything. Um, uh, Reese uh, at uh, CCA Fair is part of our um, Renella campus and many people in Melbourne will know him as well. And it was this moment before uh, Childhood Cancer Association Christmas Fair, probably 10, 15 minutes before or something like that. And I said, hey, you know, I think we're crossing you know, paths up the stairs and I was like, hey, let's be prayed up. You know, we're gonna be praying into this that, that Jesus is gonna be um, part of everything that we're doing here today. Otherwise, we're just idiots just dressed up in costumes. You know, and, and then we kind of stop and I look back and, and he says the same thing I'm thinking at the same time. He's like, I think we'll still be idiots dressed in costumes, even if we pray. It's so true though. Like, what's the point, you know? It's, it's all Jesus and His work, isn't it? it? It's not us and our efforts plus Jesus. It's all Jesus the whole way through. It's faith in the finisher, Amen. Um, you know, we hear Bible stories of simple faith. We, we hear the story about the, the thief on the cross. And we look at those things and we think um, that's encouraging. We draw from Scripture. We're encouraged from the Word of God. But I, I think this morning, what about you? You know, what about what He's done in your life? Um, for some of my story, you know, and seeing as there's only a couple of us in the room, um, it's not being recorded or in Melbourne or anything like that. So I may as well just pour out my whole life while we're here and in two minutes to summarise it just to make it easy. Um, for me, simple faith 
was that God could make a way. He is a God who makes a way. And as early as that kid drawing with a budgie on his head, I just think of the goodness of God over my life. Not the goodness of me and the great decisions I've made. Faith in the finisher, childlike faith. I remember praying to him at the end of my bed and and just talking to God, not because my parents said, brush your teeth, pray, go to bed, just because I wanted to talk to him. So my earliest memories I can think of spending time with Jesus. And I grow up, I'm a teenager. Well, I grow taller, I don't know if I grow up, but um, I grow up, I'm a teenager and Robbie's at it again, adding to finish work. Um, Ephesians 2 goes on to say in the next verse, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So instead of faith in the finished work of Jesus, I'm drawing all over his masterpiece, which is Robbie, you know, another one of his creations. And we know that I didn't start that when I was a teenager. I'm born into sin. There's been a problem since birth, right? You know, we say, Mum, Dad, no. It's one of the first things we're already telling our parents, no. Like it's, uh, we're just sinners from birth. Um, Now, the reality is I'm born into sin, um, but I recognise at this point in my life, I'm backslidden. I'm not walking with Christ. I know who He is. I'm not spending any time with Him. It's not personal. Um, So I grow into a young adult with moments of faith and moments of church attendance. This is just a building. We can be here or we can be at the footy. It could all be the same depending on why we're here, right? We're just gathering. Um, And I think to 2005, I'm 21 still at that point. And I'm feeling lost because I I knew I wasn't walking with God and compounding the issue, I have a wonderful girlfriend at the time. Spoiler alert, she's my wife now, so that worked out great. Um, I just thought I'd let you know now. Because you're like, wow, she's got a girlfriend. Um, I said one wife, remember? And... I knew, I knew Jesus and was backslidden, but I think if we're honest, Nicole didn't know him. And I've got this problem now because we've been together for a few years. What I'm grateful for is the Holy Spirit never stopped pursuing me and convincing me of his goodness, as we just sung about, that comes running after me. So I know I need to reconcile to God and with God and draw near to him. And I'm genuinely afraid because... I'm fearful that um, this woman that I've been together with for three years, we've never spoken about God or Jesus at all. So what's that saying about my life? What do I do with that? I'm scared if I talk about God and she rejects Him and I'm wanting to draw closer to Him and she's like, well, sounds great, but you know, first time we brought this up, I didn't get a brochure a few years ago and I'm out. Um, I'm a bit concerned that it's going to be choose God or the girl scenario and I'm so grateful he did enough convincing in me that no matter what, I needed him or life's not working anyway. And that took a lot. I, can't, I can remember having a peace with him that, you know, the person I love most, that if, this, if I don't have God, I don't even have her anyway. And that was an incredible miracle of God. I can't make that happen. So what do I do? Nicole has this, you know, Polish nominal background of, you know, Catholicism and knowing about God. And all of a sudden I want to chat Jesus. Great. 
How do I reconcile this life? How, how, who am I to talk about God when I don't even lead any sort of a life of faith and I'm not an example of a man of faith? And if he's so important, how come I haven't mentioned him until now? So this is setting the scene for where I'm at. We all good this morning? Story time okay? Good. So how could God make a way throughout all of this? And the reality is I didn't know that if God would make a way. I didn't know if God should make a way. I'm not God. I don't know what's best for me. But I had this slither of faith that He could make a way. That He could bring it all together. That He's altogether good. And that if I hand Him over all of my my junk, I hand over the keys and try to get out of the... The, the driver's seat into the passenger seat that he would make a way. And he did. The faithfulness of God. I'm not even sure I had a revelation of the finished work of the cross. Um, but God met me right where I was at and he made a way. He saves. It wasn't Robbie's work and Robbie's great decisions and, and Robbie's great convincing through conversation with Nicole. It was none of that. Oh yeah, and he uses the the Passion of the Christ movie, which we didn't choose, which was from non-believers who had chosen it to, to prompt the conversation and then kick me into a spotlight to say, okay, let's start talking about me. He makes a way. Can we give God a hand for the God who makes a way? I'm grateful for that. He saved my life. He saves Nicole's life. He saved the marriage that would never have happened the same way. We have three beautiful kids who love God, who share the testimony of knowing God themselves. This is why I will sing the Lord's praise for He's been good to me. I know you can relate to that scripture this morning. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. So no one can boast. So when we have faith in the finisher, he saves and He can save anyone here today. Anyone here listening online, He saves. He's a God who saves and He's a God who comes running after you. But secondly, and I guess really our response or our part in this, you wanna know what we have to do? It's really quite complicated. We rest. Point one, He saves. Point two, we rest. Hope you're feeling relaxed this morning. Take a deep breath and go, wow, I thought I had to do like 17 things. We can rest in God's goodness. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says these amazing words that I pray just sink deep into our soul today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. The context of Matthew uh, chapter 11 is the confirmation that Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied to come from John the Baptist and He's this promise of, of rest that we will receive. And Matthew records this and he's a sinner, uh, he's a tax collector, an outsider to the people of God and definitely aware and grateful for what it means to be given a soul rest from Jesus. He becomes a disciple and he concludes this chapter in chapter 11 by simply calling out to the weary 
and burdened sinner that we can rely absolutely on the finished work of Christ and that no one comes to the Father except through Him. That placing our faith in Christ is all we need and it's in Christ and Christ alone. You know, there's no substitute for rest. It's, it's just Jesus, that's it. Um, he's the rest that our souls cry out for. We can try and fill it with a million things and we do. We've all probably tried at least a hundred things. And guess what? Our soul does not receive the rest unless it's Jesus and Jesus alone. But it's the object of our faith and what the object of our faith, what we place our faith in, not how much faith that we have. Um, about 15 years ago, we had uh, a work dinner and a work function. And there was about 15 or so um, you know, people, 12 to 15, and we're around a big circular table. We're in Gucci Street. We're getting some yum cha. I love it. It's tasty. I want to eat that now. I've just distracted everyone. And we sit down for a meal. And awkward story, by the way. So be prepared to look away in your mind because you're like, oh gosh, what's going on here? You've been warned. Um, the last to arrive of all of these staff members comes rushing in to the restaurant and um, a bit puffed out, a bit sort of flustered because she was late. And she sits down um, at the table and sort of shuffles in. And as she gets comfortable in the chair, there's a creak, there's a wooden groan. And then the chair completely collapses like a pancake. Skadoosh, straight down. One of those like legs everywhere. A hundred eyes looking at her, staff running over apologetic. I blurt out, oh, I knew that chair was wobbly. I don't know. I don't know why. I'm just trying to save face like, oh, we should have swapped it. Like, it's not you, it's the chair. I don't know. And the staff come running over. Then there's this awkward moment where contestant number two, the new chair comes out. And, um, and, and that's given, and there's this moment of like, is this one okay? It was fine. The chair was all good. But I noticed she didn't trust the chair much after that. It was very much eating with elbows on the table. Man, misplaced faith in a simple wooden chair, right? It didn't hold the weight of the woman who sat on it. And, you know, we can have a lot of faith. We can have a huge amount of faith. Um, but if it's in a weak structure, it will not hold me and I will fall. We can often put our soul's rest into a weak structure that is gonna collapse when we try to rest in it. Exactly, like that. Come on, we don't need to keep trying to put our faith in flawed objects that are not gonna hold us up. That's not what Christ had in mind for us. We don't need another job to make my soul be at rest. We don't need that new car smell to give us you know, that, that soul to be at rest. Um, we don't need relationships with people that are a collapsing substitute for the soul rest that we really desire. Um, we're all flawed and limited. We, we can't give people what only Christ can give us. So some of us today just need to stop. Stop. Stop trying to patch things up. We need to stop trying to Make it okay with the next thing and the next thing. And it's just Jesus is saying, would you just stop? Would you just rest in me and my finished work? It's getting worse and worse. Just stop, admit our need for Him, rest in His goodness. Amen. And Jesus is crying out to us, pleading, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. 
and I will give you rest. If the team could return in all campuses, that'd be great. We can rest in Him. Now, I can only experience the rest of God if I actually decide to rest in Him. He doesn't force the issue. That's the decision that we have. And I can, I can have, oh, look at this, good timing. I'm so tired, I need a rest. I reckon about here's good, what do you reckon, Josh? We'll put our hands together for Josh. Absolute gun, carrying chairs. Look at this. Could have done the whole message in that. That would have been awesome, just sitting back with a little, that would be awesome. Now, I can know that the chair um, hold, will hold me. I can believe that it will hold my weight. I can talk about how I believe the chair will hold my weight. I can read books about how the chair is good and that I can rest in it. I can get your testimonies and go, oh, I sat in that chair and boy, did I rest. It was so good. It was the best chair I've ever rested in. Um, I can agree with others that the chair is all I need to sit down. I could use maths and science to give me some sort of sturdy belief in the chair that it's gonna support my weight. Cause I mean, I don't know about this, but this part freaks me out. At the back there, I'm like, that's not even holding up anything. Um, I can believe that when I'm tired, it's the chair plus nothing that's gonna equal everything. But my simple faith and trust in this chair is only realised or outworked when I choose to sit down and rest in it. Oh man, this would be the best way to do a message. I actually think that would be really cool one day. It's a great chair to sit in. I am at rest. I can't experience the rest of this chair unless I actually take a seat and just choose to rest in it. And this is um, a picture of, of God's faithfulness. If I try and rest in anything else other than the finished work of Jesus, I'm gonna fall through. So money, health, career, stature, being good, doing good. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so for many of us, uh, a simple picture today is this. Would you just sit and rest in the finished work of the cross? Would we just give us simple faith to rest in what Jesus has done? Now, we can have simple faith of resting in the finished work of the timber chair. But would we have a simple faith in resting in the finished work of the timber cross. And that's what we're called to do. It's that, that same way that we get to do it. We're gonna be able to respond today as a church family by coming around a table of communion. And it's really a picture that we sit and rest with the peace of God and having peace with God that we decide to just share a meal with Him and say, thank you, Jesus. Acknowledge who He is and say, thank you, Jesus. Communion, as you repair, uh, prepare the bread and the cup now, both here and in Melbourne, is a decision that we get to make to respond. And we get an opportunity to just stop and reflect on His goodness that comes running after us. I wanna read to us from John 19, 28 to 30 in the NIV. And it says this, Later, knowing that everything 
had now been finished. And so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When He had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, He bowed His head and gave up His spirit. If Jesus says it's finished, I'm gonna trust Him and believe Him that it's finished. I'm not gonna try and add to His finished work. Our debt of sin is paid in full. Now we can come to God the Father only through Christ the Son. Because of that cross, Look at this amazing picture. Jesus, a craftsman, a craftsman who works with timber, chooses to finish His work with these two wooden beams. Two wooden beams that come from a tree that exists because He speaks it into existence, that are shaped by hands that He has formed and given life to. And He would allow Himself to be put on that cross for you and for me so the work could be finished, so that we could be made right with God, so that we could return to the loving arms of the Father. That's what we remember as we come around a time of communion. Why don't you stand with me here and at our Melbourne campus. Anyone today can make a decision to respond to Jesus and the call to rest in Him. When we in a few moments eat and drink together, this can be you saying, God, I'm trusting that your work's finished. I don't even know who you are. Just like I had times where I didn't know a revelation of the finished work of the cross. But today, wherever you are, you can trust in His finished work and you'll be able to eat and drink together in a moment. We're coming around a table of reconciliation to God, even right now. For those that might be for the first time, for others, it's a reminder as Jesus asked us to, Remember Him. Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, after giving thanks to the Father, He took the bread, He broke it and He said, this bread represents my body that will be broken for you and I. And whenever you do so and eat of this bread, do it in remembrance of me. Would we eat together as a church family and remember the goodness of the finished work of the cross? Thank you, Jesus. In the same way, after supper, He took that cup and He said, this cup represents my blood that will be shed, that will be poured out for you and for I. And all this time later, He says, whenever you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Church, let's drink together and remember what He's done for us, that finished work on the cross. Let's pray together, then we're gonna respond in worship. Father God, we thank You for Your finished work. We thank You that we can place our faith in the finisher this morning. God, we thank You for, for those who might be running around and scrambling, trying to do things in our own strength. We're reminded that it's You. It's You and You alone. That even what we think we've brought to the table is, is Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. We place our faith and trust in You this morning. We rest in You. Even as we bring our worship to You, it's an overflow of our heart that is at rest. In Jesus' mighty Name, we trust You and say, Amen. Amen. Love you, church.
Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.